stumble. Hello, welcome to Jesus in this mess, a program on Jesus TV. Jesus TV being broadcast throughout the world, probably in different forms. They, they may not even call it Jesus TV. They might call it The Chosen, but that's a movie that Jesus is making. Depends on how you look at things. And uh, some people see the kingdom of God coming forth um, by everybody. Oh, everybody's involved in it, whether they know it or not. Um, then others would see the kingdom of God being coming forth. No, there's some very, very special people. Those are the only ones working on bringing um, the heavens down to the earth. Everybody else is not. They're just getting in the way. Um, so that's kind of a big, huge spectrum. Um, I'm actually kind of on the other side. I think everybody's playing a part, whether they know it or not, because um, I believe that God is, I believe in intelligent design, that like how the earth and everything, it's distance from the sun, very carefully positioned and maintained until God doesn't want it to be maintained like that. Because um, if you just move the sun a little closer, the earth a little closer, but I'll fry. Um, so intelligent design is easy to believe if you already believe in God. You're like, oh, this has been designed intelligently. If you start looking at the eyeball and those kind of things. So this is kind of what I want to talk about with Jonathan um, introducing the topic, because what God is emphasizing to me lately is he says, um, you are right to believe that I intelligently designed the whole of my, um, my world. But you need to also now understand in that same way and in same measure, I design the experiences that people have upon the earth. They are intelligently designed. And sometimes you'll think, well, um, uh, no, God doesn't have anything to do with this. This is, this is the devil's work. Um, well, who's, who's over all things, even over the devil? So we could quickly um, delve into, and I don't want to, okay, so God allows things. Um, yes, he allowed the serpent to come into his garden. It was God's garden. It's like, oh, I made a mistake, left the door open. No, he didn't make a mistake. He set it up. Um, and Eve was beguiled by the serpent. Well, God didn't make her partake of the forbidden fruit. No, he sure didn't. But he was very aware that in his garden, in his pure garden, was a serpent, and it came. Um, and so I don't resolve that, nor is God going to resolve it for me. <laughs> and, but, but I don't need that resolved to understand what he's telling me. So all of my experiences, God, they have been designed by you. You've allowed certain things. You've purposed certain things. And so this has been a big emphasis for the like the last year. I've been developing a tongue and an understanding of that that I'm becoming more comfortable with. Um, and if somebody has a different belief than that, um, so for instance, one of the beliefs is things just happen. You know, we're put on this earth and, and God kind of has a random, random number generator. And so some things just happen. That's how we grow, Greg, is we have to deal with things um, that, yeah, Jesus knows it's going to happen. God knows it's going to happen, but he didn't make it happen. Well, I'm okay with that. They can have a different belief than me. I, we don't have to get on the same page. Jesus is the one that gets us on the same page. But what I want to talk about today, a little bit anyways, is the intelligent design of our earthly experience. Because sometimes that's beguiling. Uh, just as surely as it's beguiling, why would a God create an earth that would have earthquakes and cover people with, you know, kill them? Or why would God create an earth that could be swamped by water, the flood? Why would God create an earth with so much? I'm, I don't want to resolve that or even attempt to resolve that here. Go take a philosophy 101 class. And you can just geek out on that. You can just keep taking that class again and again. I, I have no desire to resolve that. I, I understand that. And I'll always kind of ask 
about that and you know if Jesus wants to tell me about it. But what I'm more particularly interested in, because I live in this skin, is my own walk throughout this life. And like, God, stuff, stuff just seems to happen. But I hear you saying it's designed. It is created. I have created a path for you. Um, and you need to learn to trust that, that if things happen, even if they seem bad, they are good. Um, and so like, all right. And that's kind of, um, and so let me tie it into the theme of this program, Jesus in this mess. Well, some people think he's not in the mess. Okay. I find Jesus when I get out of the mess, that Jesus gets me out of the mess. He doesn't bring me into the mess or he doesn't allow me to get in the mess. They would have a harder time with that last one. <laughs> You've never gotten in a mess. Well, yeah, I've gotten in a mess, but it's not because Jesus wanted it to happen. I didn't say that. Did Jesus allow you to be in the mess? You're like a little child. Did he have, did he stop you from getting in a mess? Even that person as well, no, if you say it like that, that he allowed, he allowed you to get in the mess. Yes. Do you think he did that for a wise purpose or that's just unfortunate? And there's where we'd probably differ. Um, Greg would say, uh, God is in this storm. If the mess is a storm, he's in the storm. And what he wants to do is probably re redeem you. So I'm going to end with this, Jonathan. I'll give you the... See, here's what I'm coming to this conclusion. And Jesus, please help me if it's not the right conclusion. Um, dismissing the resolve of the philosophy 101 class about does Jesus purpose this or permit it? Moving that aside, here's what I believe. God creates a mess and he takes away a mess. God giveth, God taketh. That God creates a problem and then he solves the problem. And that sounds devilish because I think we're kind of aware that the, the dark rulers in this, um, in, in this world and in this country, it seems like they may have created viruses and then had the solution to those viruses. Maybe not, but there's certainly people creating messes and then cleaning them up. Um, what's they call that the Manchusen, Manchusen syndrome. Uh, I, I want to be the hero. I'm going to save my child's um, uh, life. Well, you just put it in danger. Yeah, but now I can play the hero. Um, and so I do believe, and that's easier for people to believe that the devil and his minions would create problems and then they would solve them so they could build trust with others. Well, what I'm proposing is that's my God does the same thing that maybe entities do that, um, that are intelligent entities working with us, whether they be good or bad, but I'm focused on God and Jesus. Like, did you create this mess or allow this mess to be, um, in my life for a wise purpose in you? And my answer is now, and it's trending. I'll, I'll just tell you where I'm trending. Yes, <laughs> I create the mess. Um, bluntly stated, and, and blunt means not 100% accurate. Yes, Greg, I create the mess, and then I take you out of the mess. And then I create another mess, and I take you out of the mess. And what you are going to learn how to do is cry unto me. Blessed are the poor in spirit who who come unto me. Uh, blessed are ye when men shall revile you for my sake. Oh, so Jesus, you're going to have me do things that will get me in some trouble? But come follow me. Watch what happened to me when I did the Father's will. Did the Father, Jesus, take you into some places that were messy? <laughs> yeah. Did he set that up? Well, if you believe that Christ's death was not an accident that he knew and, and it needed to be done. He didn't cause those people. So, so like I say, I'm, I'm leaving that aside. I don't really want to get into 101, philosophy 101. I just want to know what you think, Jonathan, of God causes the mess and he solves the mess in our lives. And causes, I put quotes around it. Can't hear you. You got your, uh, your mic off. Sorry. Um, so it's both true and not true. Yay! <laughs> um, so, for example, if I have a son, um, 
and I give birth to that while my wife would give birth. But, you know, like I, he comes from my genetics and from my wife's genetics. And um, that son then grows up to be an axe murderer. You could say that I caused the deaths of many people by having that son. But you'd also say that you're talking nonsense. My son, who has his own agency, caused the death of, you know, lots of people. And yet, as a father, I can also take responsibility. And I can say, I did that, you know, because it could have also been his upbringing. It could have also been something I failed to do, failed to say. And that's what I sense oftentimes from God is that he is taking responsibility for it all. When he says, I'm in the depths, he's saying, yeah, I created a world where, where it is possible for people through their agency to create great havoc. And the strange thing is that for those of us who are mortals, it actually helps a whole lot to think in terms of that God, um, one way to put it is that God's in charge. Another way to put it is what you said, well, God caused this. Um, With quotes around it, and and it, it's meant to say he caused this. Why did you add quotes, Greg? Because I'm saying uh, that it's not, um, did he cause Eve to partake of the fruit? So that's, that's what he's teaching me with, is Jonathan, who left the door open? Just answer that question. Who left the door open in his garden? Who, who left the door open? Um, For the serpent. Oh, sure, he did, right. Yeah, I mean, everybody would recognize it's God's garden. Everything was perfect. Um, so perfect with quotes around it because we would say as mortals we would go well you know what have been would have been perfect keep the door closed to serpents that are going to come in and uh the counter but that one is a simple story and i love it because it's like you try to res you you have to resolve that one before you can resolve all the others. So I just say it's irresolvable because he's leaving the door open even now to that same serpent. We are in a different garden. This is the this is the why I focus on the garden. Whose garden is this? It's God's. Did he leave the door open? Um, he left it open from the start. Okay, so he had he has a weedy garden, um, and and that's all that um, in in my mind. Where did Adam and Eve go when they were cast out of one garden? They went to another garden. Um, it required more work, but you know, you know what it had in common? A serpent. <laughs> it always had a serpent. Who allowed that? And so um, if you take, um, anyhow, that's, and trying to um, avoid philosophy 101 because if somebody's listening to say boy greg's sure arguing like you would in philosophy 101 so that's true so i could put quotes about i don't want to go there but um that's the question that i have as people try to give me an alternative explanation i respect that but i want to know who who left the um, who left the door open in in the garden of eden because see um, christian people resolve that differently. Oh, that was unfortunate. LDS, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, they believe God deliberately left that door open for a serpent to come in. That was God's garden. He could have closed it, said, no, no one's coming in. Uh, it's a perfect garden, and I don't want it messed up. Then, then it's not just the serpent. There's two things. Why did you put forbidden fruit in your garden? There's two elements. Um, and and so these are things that can't be resolved with the human mind fully. This is what I accept. Like, I'm never going to find satisfaction um, just as they don't in philosophy 101. So, you know, some professors can argue until they're satisfied. 
but I don't, I don't anticipate being fully satisfied in figuring it out. Why, Greg? Because I'm mortal. My mind is limited, and I'm like a little kid compared to God. What he's doing is so complex because it very much ties to providing a savior and so forth. So we have this simple story. But see, we live lives that are tied to that story. And we're playing out an approximation of what happened in that holy, wonderful garden. And if the, if those two elements weren't in there, then it wouldn't be cooking my noodle. But who left that door open? And that's Jesus telling me when I ask about my own mortal experience, he goes, Greg, who left the door open? Oh, you did, didn't you, God? You left the door open. Who put the forbidden fruit in that perfect garden? Oh, you did. And so now, Greg, look at your situation. Can you see that I've prepared for you a garden called Earth? You know, it's a weedy garden. It's good. It's good. But it has the same elements. Anything on that, Jonathan, you think? Um. Well, oh, I kind of wonder if there are different views that help at different times. Um, yes, I love it. Yes, that's right. Emphasize this. This is God later in my life. I'm 60 years old. I wasn't, there was no pressure throughout my whole life until lately. And so he wants me to accept a different view that's pretty uncomfortable to people. It's uncomfortable because um, I would never say God makes us do evil. No. I, um, I, and I don't think he made um, Eve even transgress. He did not make her. Very careful on the language here. Did he make her? No. But did he allow it? Oh, yes, he did. Did he design it? Oh, yes, he did. And so these are um, what I'm speaking of is actually very uncomfortable for a lot of people. That's why it's philosophy 101. They get, oh, and, and some people are just like, I'm going to stop believing in God because how could a God be God? So I understand the conundrum. Um, and, and so God has brought to my door that conundrum at age 60, and he's, he's helping me resolve it. And I've decided, okay, here's what I think you're having me believe. You are in everything. You, you have descended below all things, and you've ascended above all things. You're, you're part of it. Now, how he's doing this, I don't know. And I'm not supposed to take offense. I'm like, okay, so when I get stuck, God, I'm just supposed to say, okay, your ways are higher than man's ways. And this is actually how the older prophets would resolve that. Uh, there's things we don't understand. Go ahead, Jonathan. So what occurs to me is that to, there are certain times in which it's better to look at it in certain ways and that if you get the timing wrong, it messes everything up. Yes, yes. Yes, I love that. What, you, what Jonathan's saying is so true because you, we need different stories. Kids need to um, understand the, the world differently than adults. We don't want to shove down their throat which is happening right now. Sometimes they're, they're shoving things that should be considered when you're 18, not at five years old. What gender are you? What? You know, um, but anyways, um, go ahead, Jonathan. I, I, I respect different times in life. We need different stories about Jesus. Yeah. Well, so here's, here's what occurs to me. I think what you're talking about is the principle of, it's an aspect of faith, which is, is I'm going to call trust. So faith can be two. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that, and then I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about the time when that is helpful, and then I'm going to talk about the time when it's really helpful to think that it's that it's you that's the problem. So um, if you think about um, okay, Okay, so there's kind of two aspects of faith from what I can see. It seems like there is faith, which is um, the faith which brings about a miracle out of the unseen world. So, for example, God says, you know, um, um, 
you know, if you take care of your father, you know, it'll be really hard, but in two years, it'll be over. And it's like, so you're having to believe in something that you can't see. And it's something that you have no, so it's, that's kind of its own thing. It's like, it's, it's the thing that got, you know, Jesus to be able to have faith till the cross and do what he needed to do is the thing that caused people to be able, you know, Moses to be able to, you know, keep his focus and get through the Red Sea. And, and, you know, it's, there's that sort of thing. And then there's this other aspect of faith, um, which it's almost, it's, it's very different and it's almost antithetical to that. Um, but it's also an aspect of faith and it's, it's trust. So trust is something different. Trust is like believing that God is in my, my problems. Like you're saying, God is in this mess. So like when things are not going the way that you expect, when God doesn't come through and, or whenever you, um, it appears that your own faults and failings have totally screwed everything up. It's like in those moments, it's helpful to have this thing called trust. And the trust is like, it's this thing that you're talking about where it's like, you really believe that whatever is happening is what God intends to happen. It's like, it, and it, what it does is it actually gives you a, um, like almost an impenetrable fortitude. It helps you to be kinder. It helps you to be, it's like, it's like, um, you know, when someone's screaming down your throat that it's your fault and that, you know, you know, it's like, it's the, it's whenever you have that, you know, it's like, you're able to say, um, okay, you know, or, or, um, or it also helps you to endure, um, you know, uh, like, for example, if, you know, you're going to your death, you know, you're going to before the, the rifle squad, you know, or you're being tortured and they're trying to, you know, it's like, and this wasn't what you, it's, and there's an aspect of it. I'm not quite grasp, quite grasping with my words or being able to express, but, um, it's more of like a letting go. Whereas the faith that like gets you across the Red Sea is like this focused, you know, intentful, but it's, there's this thing that it's like, it's like if Moses had gotten to the Red Sea and it didn't part. Okay. You know, it's like, or maybe it didn't part as soon as he expected. And, you know, and it's like, and so it's almost like you have to be embracing the two on the one hand, I'm totally prepared for God to part the Red Sea and us to be delivered. I'm also totally willing to have me, my wife, my kids, and all of these Hebrews die right here. And that that would be okay too. And, and you'd say, well, but then Moses, you were just a whack. You were just a whack job. You let all these people into the wilderness and it's that thing that says, that's okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And if so, so, if we all die right here on the banks of the Red Sea, I'm okay with that. And, and the reason that people don't like, like men of God, is because the men of God have both of these things. They're kind of freaky people. Yes. <laughs> they're kind yeah. of, they're people. Like, yeah, they so Go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, that's um, I love that it's expressed in the pioneer hymn. Um, let me let me look it up real quick. Uh, come, come. And should we our journeys yeah. through? So because uh, not everybody knows this one. So I'm going to. Um, so this is a is a uh, song that would comfort the Mormon pioneers. Um, and um, they would talk about. Well, let's see. I'll, I'll, Come, ye saints, no toil or neighbor fear, but with joy wend your way. Though hard to you this journey may appear, grace shall be as your day. Tis better far for us to strive, our useless cares from us to drive. Do this and joy, your hearts will swell. All is well, all is well. And so then they talk about why should we mourn? 
or think our journey's hard. We'll find a place that God for us is prepared. And my favorite verse, because it's just kind of funny, it's an irony, it's, but, but it's what Jonathan's talking about. They get to the fourth verse and they say this. And, and, and usually if you have a choir singing it, they'll slow way down, saying it really solemnly and say, and should we die before our journey's through? And then it's happy day. You have the exclamation point. Happy day, all is well. We then are free from toil and sorrow too. With the just, we shall dwell. And then the turn that verse turns again. But if our lives are spared again to see the saints their rest obtain, oh, how we'll make this chorus swell. All is well, all is well. So it's like, we're going to win either way. And, that's, and, and you can tell that the spirit of that song is what God wants us to um, embrace is a dualism, is the yin and yang, uh, is the God is great, God is good, um, always, uh, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, he's good in all his giving and his taking, and that is a discipline, to be able to receive that kind of thinking, and then embed it in your life, um, and that's why that's a very popular song, I believe, is because it's it has the ambiguity built into it. Ambiguity. So we go so, like, God is truth. God is light. God is like, is he darkness too? <laughs> Let's not do that. But that fourth verse, like, oh yeah, this, this journey you're called upon, maybe here's how it ends for some of you. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. I was just going to say that he, um, so how do I put this? Um, oh, so I, so um, there was a fellow I knew years ago who was in World War II um, and uh, a relative, uh, and in, one of my in-laws, um, and, uh, well, my my wife's grandfather. So anyways, he, he was talking about in World War II how um, one day he was walking along, and they're on this march to somewhere. You know, I don't know where he was stationed, but they're on this march, and... Um, as they're headed there, he's walking along, and um, I guess there, I think there were like mines in the area. So, like, like at any moment, they could step on a mine and be blown to bits. And, um, and, uh, and then there's like enemy, you know, I, I can't remember. I think maybe they were bombing the area or something. I can't remember, but it was super dangerous. And everybody, like including, you know, uh, my wife's grandfather, were just completely on edge. I mean, just like, you know, just nervous wrecks, you know. And um, and he's walking by this one guy, and um, this guy's just as cool and as as uh, you know as cool as a cucumber, just. You know, like, you know, he's just fine. Nothing's wrong. He's just chatting with, with my wife's grandfather. They're just chatting along, walking along, you know, and he's like, he's like, and he starts to talk to the guy. He's, he's like, what, why is this guy so nonchalant and everything? And he ends up discovering that the guy is kind of basically, he's basically given up on life. He, he doesn't have left to live for. Right. <laughs> it's like he doesn't have anything left to live for. I don't know. You know, may, I, I'm making this up. I don't know what was sure. the deal. Maybe his girlfriend back home or his wife left him, you know, and he, you know, it's like something had happened to him that it's like he did not care whether he lived or died. And my grandfather, my wife's grandfather's reaction was um, he realized it was dangerous to be around this guy. Yes. Because this guy really didn't care. And, you know, everybody else was on guard and this guy was not on guard. And um, so in his mind, he was like, so he, he basically distanced himself from this guy. You know, it's like, well, I, you know, I'm going to go say hi to so-and-so, or I'm going to go, you know, do this. <laughs> That's right. You know, and then from then on, he made it a point not to, 
you know, because he knew that this guy, and so that's, that's, it's a strange aspect, but I actually wonder if it's part of why many of the prophets have been so hated, and um, because it's like, it's like he, because the it's like the man of God does not have the interest of everybody's skin in mind. Yeah. He has the will of God at all costs. And yeah. he oh, also that's... has strange trust. Like I said, you know, it's the banks of the red of the red sea and Moses is totally okay. It's this strange faith of like, I know we're going to get across here. But if we don't, and we all yeah. die, and it's this massive massacre, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm embracing both things at the same time. No wonder they're screaming at him. I mean, it describes it in the Bible. They're screaming at him just like, you let us here to die. You, you know, it's like, it's really hard to know. Who do they hate more? Do they hate the Egyptians more? Or do they hate Moses more? At right. that moment, I think they hated Moses more. Yeah. And so it's like, it's this strange world when you walk with somebody who walks with God. <laughs> I love it, Jonathan. Woo! <laughs> that's that's an interesting place you just took us, because and it, it's where I needed to go, because I, I have an approximation of that. I'm not walking through minefield, but I'm walking through a... Uh, a parable that's like unto that um, with um, since I started following God I've been called to do some things that just don't seem very reasonable it puts my family um, in at risk um, the same as if I had gone crazy uh, which I did actually as part of my born again experience and it's like oh no this guy that has a PhD that is very powerful mind wise and everything he thinks God is leading him on something. Um, and he's doing things that other Christians are not called to do. Um, and that's, man, that's hard to resolve. Um, and, and of course, I've done what, what Moses should have said. Leave me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm following God. And so I, I love that you emphasize that. I mean, I don't like that about my walk with Christ, that it involves other people. It's just me. I'll walk through the minefield myself. Jesus, I don't want these guys because I totally get it. But no, that's not how he operates. Um, he, he, he will leave his prophets and his followers vulnerable. Um, and so, yeah, I love it, Jonathan. Continue on. Um, I want to, I'm going to come back in a second to the other side, um, the time when it's good to have a different view but before I do, you've hit on something that I find just really good and fascinating. It's like it's it's why you have to be really careful about the way that you react, um, because the truth is, is, you know, for every one person who's being led by God, there's probably, I don't know, thousands <laughs> yeah. who are just whacked. Yeah. Oh, I know. They're going to lead you into that minefield and, and blow you up, not for any good purpose, but because yes. they're really deceived, you know? And so I get that it's difficult, but you have to be careful because a person has to have the spirit of God to know, because the truth is, is that you often can't tell unless you have the spirit of God yes. to you and the spirit of discernment to witness to you what is what. It's, you can't tell till afterwards. So I've often thought about Jesus Christ. I heard this, this person recently, recently, you know, like four years ago, give this lesson. And they were talking about how when Jesus came, he fulfilled all of the um, signs of the, um, of the, uh, I think it's the spring feasts in, in the Jewish, um, the feasts of, of the law of Moses. And I mean, to a T, I mean, like literally when he was like walking into Jerusalem, this thing was being fulfilled. And when he oh, was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. The timing Jewish holidays and this and that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's because because here we are having this fireside an amazing fireside. And this person's describing this whole thing. It's just amazing. 
But what I thought as I was go as I was listening to it was like, yeah, but nobody would have been able to tell at the time. Yes, right. Yeah. Like looking at all this in hindsight, seeing that oh, this was happening at this exact same time as this, and how it fulfilled this and this. Yes, yes. That's so right. And, and, and you know what my, myself wants to do is turn to God and say, yeah, see, it's hard to follow you. Of course, he already knows that. <laughs> but I'm just like, yeah. So um, Jonathan's right. Um, I, I, I may have rejected Christ because I couldn't see those signs. You don't show those signs till later, sometimes years later. You know, it's like. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, now there might have been little signs, but. For sure, you couldn't have seen all of them at the time it was happening. No, you know, no. like, you know what? It's actually Passover, and you know, I, there's a strange connection I think here. You know, and probably the only way you would have known is by the Spirit. But it, at the time, so it's like, so you think that it's like if I study, you know, like people are studying the last days. I'm studying the last days so that I'll be able to. And it's like you're not going to be able to recognize because you studied no. you're going to be able to recognize because you know the voice of god and yeah. it's like yeah yeah it's like it, you know don't think that you're you know because you're a scholar that you're going to see it all right when it <laughs> happens it's because like here's because here's the thing even if um so for, first off back in those days you'd have to be smart enough well unfortunately smarty pants comes with um uh, an encumberment. Jesus knew the encumberment. Oftentimes, the smartest people um, they get tied up because of their. Well, it didn't. It actually didn't fall on this exact. You know, and Jesus messes with them. Well, the clock had struck, so it's not. You know, and and he'll he'll move things on them, where people say, "Well, it's close enough. That's pretty close." You know, simple people don't don't hold God to exactly exactly at this point. Um, Although he's he's pretty exact sometimes, and so anyway, that's what I was thinking when you're talking about. Um, first off, you'd have to be smart enough, well read enough to know what those signs were, and you wouldn't get them all. And it's like, what if I'm just a little child and I, I'm a girl? I didn't get educated. Jesus doesn't love us. And so, um, but what you're speaking of rings so true to me so um continue on because i think that's um very relevant to our our current day because there are people who are drawn to those signs and that's good i'm i'm glad i i'm i'm not a, a sign follower but i certainly when people tell me about it like oh that is exciting thanks for telling me because i said 2024 jesus tells me this big thing is going to happen in 2024 and they go why did you say that and the sign followers know that 2024 a bunch of stuff lines up and I don't care in Christ. It's not me telling myself. I'm like, okay, 2024. And Jesus says, and then when you street preach it, say say the following thing, I-S-H, 2024-ish. Well, that sounds like a clown, a prophet prophesying and then says ish. Ish means kind of. <laughs> it could be 25, 26. But he has me do that. If I say 24 and I'm right, that's not going to help you. For the very reason that Jonathan's talking, you have to hear him. Um, somebody could rightly tell you, okay, Hitler's bad. You still have to get out of Germany or something. That that, that does that does you no good. You're in Germany and, and, and you go, oh, yeah, I found out something. Hitler's bad. Well, do you have money to get away uh, for you and your family? Um, and a lot of them didn't. <laughs> like, I, I can't go anywhere. Like in Ukraine. Rich people were out of that country. Boom, they're out of here. They go to Georgia or Kazakhstan or where they have family or, or Poland. Poor people, no, nah, that's unfortunate. They'll have to stay there and let the bombs rain down on them. So anyhow, go ahead, Jonathan. So, um, so yeah, and uh, so I was going to say, oh, so there's a scripture. Um, and here's the thing where, where people where each individual has to be careful. Um, so Christ made this comment, like, if um, if you come to know me and then turn away, it would have been better that you'd never known me. Yes. And 
And I have this sense, it's like people don't understand. It's like how you treat, because you don't understand, like, like, let me, how do I put this? If you come in contact with somebody in whom the spirit of Christ is moving, like say you're one of those people on the banks of the Red Sea, and it's like the way that you react to that has massive implications as to your own psyche. It has massive implications as to your relationship with God. It's like, do you want Christ to come into your life? Well, what if God sends somebody into your life who is actuated by the Spirit of God, but they're doing things that you don't understand? Right. You know, and it's like, and it's like, and you're like, I hate this. Well, what are you hating? Because that's the way that Christ moves. Yes. Yes. You understand talking about, and it's like, and it's like, yeah, what you're hating is Christ moving in your life. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's shaking, shaking things up. I, I don't like this. I don't want this guy must be crazy. It's like, that's what they said of Christ. So it's like, it's like the way that we react when the servants of God, and I don't, I'm not talking about people called to authority. I'm talking about people in whom is moving that spirit, which leads out of the culture and into the wilderness. It's like, it's like when you decide, I hate this, it has massive eternal implications. It's like, it's like it, that's why we're kind of invoked within, with this, within the scriptures to be prayerful and careful and to seek discernment and understanding because we can turn against God and, and not even know it. Right. And, and to love your enemies. So there could be somebody who's actually doing the will of God and they feel like your enemy. I feel like Moses is my enemy. Uh, um, you don't know my life. Okay. When I was back there, I, you know how often I got beat? Once a year at most. It's just like I got in a fight and they beat me. Everything else, it was like there was enough to eat. We didn't, you know, it was always provided for us. Um, I got along with the guards. Um, they would like me because I sang songs and so forth. But I'm out here now, and I'm seeing the contrast. And this is like we eat, we eat the same thing every day. Just like, oh, yeah, you got any barbecue? No, it's like manna, manna, manna. And, you know, the person just <laughs> ignores the miracle. They're just... And because and, 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 it's not a miracle, there's just something weird happening biologically or whatever. So these people getting all excited. Oh, God's feeding us. No, there's I, I don't know. These plants are creating something. It, it's kind of light bread, but people are like, oh, look at this. It's manna from heaven. It's God. And and so once you're turned against with that spirit, <laughs> God can bring miracles um, into your life and you just dismiss them. Um, but then your enemy becomes Moses. Um, he's the one that um, told us, do this, do that. And, and, and he, he riled up Pharaoh. We, we had relative peace with Pharaoh, which they did. They, Pharaoh needed those guys um, building. And, and so what you're speaking of is right. What, what permeates is a spirit now has gotten in you. Um, so, um, you know, here's the thing. That person I'd say, well, just go back. They'll kill me. And that's why I'm mad because um, God, God will actually hedge up the way. Once you've come so far, he'll go, only way you're going back is probably you're going to die because I've set it up that now there's enmity between Pharaoh and the Hebrew people who left. You went with Moses and, and they know that same thing. He creates enmity between um, uh, um, Lehi um, and his family. So Laban, um, Laban and Lemuel um, probably felt like they couldn't go back. They were accomplices in murder. Um, and thanks to Nephi, I'll go and not knowing beforehand the things which I shall do, and I'll make you guys. So you can't go back. Uh, that wasn't Nephi's stratagem, but I believe it was God's stratagem. So when they were thinking about like, I, I don't like this wilderness. We've been in this wilderness. And then 
um, they talk to one another. Well, let's just go back. Yeah, we can walk back. We know the way back. And then they, it, it dawns on them, we would be accomplices to murder of a religious leader. Oh, my goodness. There's no other way. <laughs> and Nephi's like, dang it. I wish they would go back. But, um, yeah, um, I'm just saying it, amen to what you're speaking of. It's that spirit that you have to pay attention to. Are you being, you know, charity covereth a multitude of sins. Well, it also protects you um, and helps you decide the people I'm following, are they being charitable um, to me? So, so that's that's one of the, the signs, like that you can see without having to see stars and so forth. What spirit do they have? Do they have a spirit of fear or faith? And I'm not talking about in moments because people have their moments, but over time, you know, you can hang with people and, and, and we need to, even if people are filled with fear, you don't have to leave them or divorce them necessarily. I guess God tells you to, because some people just have that the rest of their life. But, but generally you want to make sure you gather with people who um, are seeking that kindness. And they, and, and, and you know that because they'll repent. They'll say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm always like this. <laughs> and they may be always like that. But here's the thing that they have. That's the sign. They said, sorry. That's it. That's that may be all you get is lots of sorries for the rest of your life because they don't have the capacity to get beyond not just sorry, but I'm going to, I'm going to start bearing your burdens and stop talking bad about you. And, and, you know, that's higher level training. You're not just looking for charity. You're looking for people who are moving towards charity and that um, forgiveness, or I'm saying, I'm sorry. That's one of the big things for that. I, I don't want to cast out people that, you know, and God doesn't want me to cast out anybody, just love them. But he does want me to gather with the people who are gathering charity. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, so speaking of forgiveness, I actually, I, I, um, my mind went a different direction for a minute while you were talking. So when you were talking about someone repenting, who are you talking about? I, can you refresh me? I'm sorry. Um, oh, just that, um, uh, that spirit, because Jonathan was talking about how um, uh, when you um, are following God, uh, you got to be careful, uh, even when you interact with people who are following God, um, you have to be careful to um, not turn against them for one reason, because even if you're in the right, these are crazy people, or you're in the right that they're actually following God, but you're not supposed to be with them, you turn against them, then then you've got that spirit of um, enmity, and that, that you can get hijacked by that spirit. Um, and you can, and, and you, you'd call that righteous indignation where they were doing stuff that was wrong. Right. Are you going to forgive them? Are you going to maybe with, withdraw? Maybe the thing you need to do is withdraw, forgive them and withdraw. So there's different options than just simply, no, I'm stuck with them and I'm just going to be mad at them. And um, so that's a spirit. Um, it's not a spirit of forgiveness and, and kindness. Okay, Jonathan, I think you caught it. Yeah, go ahead. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Well, and the struggle is it's like, you know, everybody's having, you know, wranglings and stuff in this life. Not everybody actually, but there are wranglings in this world. And, um, but it's very different when you discover that who you're wrangling with is God himself. Okay. Yes. And that's what you're talking about. And yes. you don't understand that like that spirit that takes hold of you when you actually, you're not just upset because, you know, somebody, you know, got in your parking space or whatever. It's like, you're actually upset because God is moving. Like, you don't understand the depths of that. Like, like, and how fast you can go from being a normal person to a person who will kill women and children. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but that has happened. You know, it's like when, when that thing takes hold of you, cause, cause that spirit which hates God and hates every time God moves is just angry. You don't realize that when you become angry, like you open up the gate. Um, and you, if you think anger towards men is one thing, like anger towards 
God and his servants is like something completely else. It is, it, it can take you down fast. So um, going back, a um, couple things. Uh, you mentioned miracles. Miracles are, they're very persuasive in the very moment, but they fade so fast. They do, don't they? <laughs> I I went and took a picture, by the way, of that. Of that, I, I drove the four-wheeler and went, took a picture of that 10-amp fuse that there was a miracle. And I'm like, I'm going to grab this one so I don't forget it, refresh it in my mind. Um, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, it's it's they they fade so fast, and so for people, you know, like like you talk about like, well, why, you know, I'm talking about Moses. I I I I was thinking of some about surrounding Joseph Smith because we you both and I you and I have the LDS background, but but um, you know, uh, I think you could look at many different faith traditions, and you got to go. No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, many different faith traditions, and they'd have their own miracle stories, you know. Um, but you know, we have a few in the the group, you know, the the people that we were raised around. Um, but the point being is that like uh, the miracles fade fast, yeah. and it's it's like it it. Um, so even even for the person who was the the means by which the miracles came, sometimes you can have a miracle, and it was. It, you know, it came kind of through you. You were the one exercising faith. You know, we're not even talking about your family around you and, and they're happy to have faith and they're seeing the mirror. It's hard for them to hang on to those. But even for you, you know, it's like it's like the next day, the next week, it's like, well, yeah, God, that was really nice that you gave me that yesterday, but you don't get that today I need, you know, and, and you forget. Yeah, but, and, and Jonathan, what it made me think of is like a football game. The um, whoever wins the Super Bowl, wow, we won, we won, you know. <clears throat> so a week later, what are they doing? Looking to the next season. I wonder how now that we won, there's probably going to be some players who want to be on our team. Um, and uh, wonder, I wonder what the draft's going to be look like. So you're already looking for the next miracle, the the next Super Bowl, and you got a lot of um, uh, games to win and miracles to come. But that's it's quite human, right? I think. Um, it's probably built into us like that danger's gone. Stop worrying about it. Oh, and by the way, that meal is gone. You need to start working on the next meal. Um, it's like, oh, I'm kind of, I remember that was really fun back there, but you can't, do you feel so now as the scriptures say, I don't know. I, it's not happening to me right now. Uh, so can you conjure up a little something? And that's the, that's then the discipline is where you can geek out about something that happened on a cross so long ago and you weren't even there. A Super Bowl happened and Jesus won. Okay, <laughs> how does that help me? And that's then becomes the work of the, where the cross becomes um, meaningful because you actually wear one. It's your body uh, that's shaped like a cross and then you, you try to rekindle that. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. And we can wrap up here. I'll let you wrap, wrap up. So I'll say this last thing. So I meant to get to this second. Um, I was we were talking about how the two views are good. So I'll just mention the other view in passing, and then we can we can close. But so so the one view is that you know God's in everything, and it's okay if we die at the Red Sea, and that's really helpful for people who have found God, and um, He is working in their lives. So it is not as helpful for people who have not found God and God is not working in their lives. So for example, if I'm, if I'm basically, you know, like doing what I want to do, you know, and, and I'm kind of ignoring that voice that prompts me to repent, to seek God, to draw close to God, to receive with, with joy, his chastisement. You know, if I'm, if I don't have any of that spirit, if I start to think to myself, you know, like, and start to believe that, you know, well, God's in everything. God's in the threesome I had with my wife and that woman down there, you know, that I, I picked up and paid to come have sex. God's in, you know, and, and, and the problem, that's the problem. We were talking about this last night. You'll hear people saying the same things, but it means two totally different things. Yeah, right. God's in everything. 
God's in everything. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I cheat in my business, but everybody cheats in their business, you know, and God loves us all. And, he, you know, if we've done a little wickedness, he'll beat us with a few stripes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's like right. that. You see, that's the time when it's really helpful to have the view that all the bad stuff that's happening to me, the IRS who are investigating my shady business dealings, my wife who's about to leave me or has left me, that's a good time when it's a good time to, to stop and go, this is my fault. Yeah. This result of my actions. Yeah. And that's I right. am go, go to God in penitence and say, God, forgive me because yeah. it's my fault. Yes. I did this. And I, you know, and, and then to realize, of course, the next thing, and I don't know how to change. I don't know how to please help me. So the two views, and what's strange is that that's when you enter into the world, when you actually, God does enter in and he does give you forgiveness and he does start to work in your life, that then he begins to whisper to you and he begins to say, yeah, it was your fault, but it was also your parents and it was also me who, you know, it, there's, there's also a great grant. He'll start say to you, there's a great and grand scheme in it, but you can't even partake of that until you've come to the realization that it's, it's like you said, that I think Lyman told you it's a hundred percent you, but it's a hundred percent God. And it's like, yes. but the, the time and the way that you look at it, it's like, if you get those mixed up and same thing. Sorry, so this is the last part. So if if you found grace and you sincerely are doing your best and you're you're seeking God with your whole heart, might, mind, and strength, it can be harmful for you to be constantly saying, Oh, but it's my fault. Oh, but I did this. Oh, but I that's the time when it's more helpful to be saying, There's a grand scheme in this thing. And you know, like the alcoholics anonymous are always saying, let go and let God. I'm letting go to you, God. So, but you get those wrong. You look at it at the wrong way at the wrong time, and it can it can damn you. It can it can inhibit your growth. That's yeah. what I want to say. No, I love it, and it's it's well said, and that that resonates correctly with me. That um, we need God to tell us what story do I need to tell myself, Lord, here, um, and because I don't want to fool myself, and I could fool myself and lead others to wrong. But um, those stories, um, a dire story um, needs to be said. Um, and because you're not going to reach like if you're alcoholic, um, most of those alcoholics, how they overcome it, they have to reach a really low place called rock bottom, where they stop telling themselves stories. Oh, I'm still doing it. I'm a good family provider. And, and, and they're right. Um, they're, they're taking care of things. They're taking care of business. In fact, that may be their motto at work. We take care of people and we take care of business. And that alcoholic, that they might have been doing that. And they're right. They, they give people sweet deals on the car that they're selling um, as they go in the back room and drink a little more booze just to get through another day. And, um, and they... They're honest. They, they pay all the IRS taxes and so forth. And so um, God seems to be facilitating and still working with them. He is. <laughs> but um, there's something that they need, need to get to the bottom of. And honestly, here's the funny thing. It might be that, that bottle. You need to get to the bottom of that bottle. What do you mean? Once you get to the bottom, this is the time when you're going to be drunk enough to get pulled over by the cops which then you're in your, um, they take your mug shot. You just lost your job as salesman, which turns you into a wildcat because you get so fearful. Oh no, I was holding it all together. Then you go on this binge thing like you've never done. You black out and you wake up with somebody. You don't know what you did with them and what age they were. And you're just so thankful that they were, the age of accountability, <laughs> but all of a sudden something washes over you. This can't go on. 
you know, I've been telling myself stories, and that's what all the alcoholics say. We were just ridden with lies, 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 and they just little lies, and um, and so then they they do that as a confessional in front of one another to hold each other accountable, and they'll say, "Stop telling yourself lies." Well, I just went and had one drink. Oh, you're a liar, and and then they'll have these conversations where. Some alcoholics are like, you're being too hard on him. It, it was just one drink. And others are like, that's a slippery slope. So these things don't get resolved in church. They don't get resolved in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's these disagreements about what story you need. I'm saying you should never, ever have one drink. No, I think this. And so the desire to come to unity to, okay, well, here was my experience. And that's what they do. And, and here's what I'm going to do. And then you own your own story. You own your own way forward with the steps, which is turn to a higher power, okay? That um, admit you can't do this. Then that's what they start having a story that brings them all together um, enough. <laughs> I'm going to call him higher power. I don't want to call him Jesus. That's fine. That's what we do. I don't even want to call him a higher power. I want to call it something bigger than me. There, that's good. We can all come together because we're all trying to find a more a, a better way. So as we've talked, Jonathan and I will often correlate a lot. Um, and um, we don't belong, we, we belong to the same faith tradition, but we don't uh, worship the same ways and so forth exactly. But we've both been born of God. We recognize that, that our desires, we now have a preoccupation with Jesus, like who gets on at 930 and starts doing church at 9.30 willingly. I do, if it's like this church. Uh, why? Because Jesus prompts me to. Um, like I was about ready to say, oh, you know, we could skip it today. But then I thought Jonathan came on. Neither, when we started this, like, what are we going to talk about? I said, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> and But I like what we've been talking about, and it's important for my soul. So that's, um, when I say we're preoccupied, that's been uh, that's a big emphasis. One of the signs, because Jesus is teaching me about the signs of being born again. And I say this even with quotes around it. I don't know. But one of the signs that seems to be is that you have an experience that was significant enough that it shifted your attention uh, and you become more preoccupied with the things of the other world and how they might be influencing your your life. And that's certainly um preoccupied and we both know partly it's our pressures that jesus keeps in our life that we can become less preoccupied and we could become more occupied with the world but i think um jonathan i remember you talked about this one time jonathan that he'll hedge up the way i think that's what he does you can't turn from the to the left to the, the right <laughs> it's like why because it's not comfortable uh you know some people can say oh look i can turn to the right and there's a nice bed here. I'll just go to sleep for a while. We go to turn to the right and like, ow, can't go that way. Ow, can't go this way. Just straightforward. And so it's a blessing, blessing, curse um, to be preoccupied with Christ. But our spirits and even ourselves desire it, I believe. Um, we we um, we reinforce it um, by these kind of activities. So Jesus TV, uh, a conception that helps me channel that energy i need your help lord i need your help and if anyone knew the details of my life they you do need help um you know that like you're like an alcoholic this um, has to turn to a higher power i'd say correct and this is what i've learned there's no other way i would no way would i bring this much energy to god without the pressures <laughs> so um that's i i glory that god does uh, keep that door open, you know, in his garden to keep the pressure on. Um, and if, if, if I'm to live the kind of life I want to live, I have to get more Jesus. What about other people? I don't know. I don't know about them. I don't think they have to have as much Jesus as I do. I don't know. I'm not their boss. I'm just, I leave it to them. And I say, this is what's working for me. Just like I wouldn't know if I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't know what exactly what would work for people. So these alcoholics get together and they share their stories and here's what i'm doing i'm exercising more and this is what i'm learning to talk nicer with my wife blah 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 and all these different things 
that help them do one thing, stay sober, don't drink. <laughs> you know, that's what this is all about. I got my chip. And so it all comes down to how long you stayed sober, how long you've been talking about Christ, preaching about Christ, prophesying about Christ with this intensity, Greg, since 2015. It seems like before then I was kind of lost. Now I'm found. But that's a story. And so wrapping it up, <laughs> that's the cool story. That's called the um, born again story. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was one way. Now I'm completely another. And the thing in between is Jesus. I hope that you either have that story or get that story in your life. It's called the hero's journey. It's a variation on that theme. And I like it. And I like it more and more as I get more and more into it. But there it is. Okay, Jonathan, if you have any last word. No. All right. Stop recording. Stop.